What's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Sickly. <laughs> and this is <laughs> Bitches and Murders. Also, I would like to commend our timing on both of these episodes. Yeah. Because, like, last time was like we both said it really fast and it was like spot on. And this time we both said it slow without talking about it and it was still spot on. Uh, yeah. Because this is being recorded the same day that we recorded the Rachel episode, um, I'm still sick. And I'm not going to lie, I, I still don't feel that great either. And the longer I sit here, the sniffleier I get. So I'm just going to preface this with an apology. <laughs> uh, I also brought my inhaler because I knew that I might struggle to breathe at some point. Uh, especially after talking this much because we have yeah. eight fucking pages to get through. So... I forgot to tell you about it. I was so mad. So like me and my friends had plans to go to the beach yesterday and I was like, okay, I'm still going because uh, I'm either going to lay down and be miserable at home or I can lay down and be miserable at the beach. So, right. And you're not that far away from the beach. So it's not like it's like a whole big right. like, ordeal to like get there or anything. No, it's literally like a 10 minute drive. Exactly. <laughs> so we're at the beach and it's a beautiful day. It was like 85 yesterday and... I like as we're there, I like start feeling better. I can breathe through my nose. I don't feel congested anymore. And I'm like, wow, this is great. Like every now and again, we like go dip our toes in the water because it's still freaking cold. And the only people that are swimming in it are the tourists. And that's how we know that you're not from here. Um, Mm, Fuck no. You couldn't pay me to swim in that red tide bullshit. Oh, the red tide's not on our side of the state yet. It's still off right now. I don't, I don't trust it. Fair. Either way. Um, but yeah, I was like, wow, like I can breathe in my nose. Like I feel great. This is awesome. You know, like salt water just doing the damn thing. We left and like we were at my friend's house and immediately I was just like getting congested again. And I was like, no, come back. No, please. I was so mad. But apparently um, the curative powers of salt water. Who knew? God damn, that's what I need right now. Ugh. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Um. <laughs> that sounded very enthusiastic. <laughs> okay. Today, we're going to talk about, as I adjust my fucking, I'm literally holding a, like a Yeti microphone right now, which is like the least comfortable thing to hold. They're like not meant to hold, but I don't want to hunch over this desk for the next fucking like hour. <laughs> That's valid. Because I hunch over enough tattooing, uh, especially this fucking last weekend. Because <laughs> I tattooed over like 20 hours in like three days. Yeah, that's insanity. Today, we are talking about someone you probably have never heard of, to be quite honest. Because um, I had never heard of him. Um, and I think that's because... We'll get into that. Never mind. I'm not going to spoil I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Anyways, today we are talking about... Henry Lewis Wallace. Mm. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I was like genuinely shy. I was like, do you really know who that is? Because I had no fucking idea. Like, but you watch way more documentaries and stuff than me, so it was like quite possible that you had heard of him and I had not. <laughs> um I think I, I, was saw, like, I saw something like briefly, because like the name sounds familiar, so I'm sure I read something like briefly and then just like I feel like it doesn't help that he has, like, three very generic names. Yeah. 
So it's like nothing about that particularly like sticks in the brain. Like it, honestly, like I have been researching this case for like two weeks and I don't even remember his name. Every time I look away from it, I immediately forget about it. I already I kept forgot. Calling, kept calling him Wallace throughout this whole thing and I genuinely by the end of it forgot that his first name wasn't Wallace. Like I was like, oh yeah, wait, that's his last name. Because he's that forgettable. Like, <laughs> and I don't feel bad for talking shit. You will be right on board with me. But anyways, welcome back to the regular content. You know, the last time we were, I don't want to say light and fluffy, but we were very sentimental. We're right back to bullying the fucking killers. Right. Yes, I'm, I'm right back to having someone to bully. I do love, see, that's my, to- like, I always am so torn because I love cold cases because I love the, like, what if about it. Like, I love mm-hmm. digging into it. But, like, goddamn, do I love to bully people. <laughs> I love to bully people who deserve to be bullied yes exactly (laughs) and believe me this man deserves to be no amount of bullying this man could ever receive would make up for the things that he's done but anyways let's get into it you know how bitchy i am when i'm sick so let's do it he was born november 4th of 1965 in barnwell south carolina carolina (laughs) what the fuck did it come out like that that was just natural. I did not try to do that at all. <laughs> Great Believe start. Me. Um, he was born to Lottie Mae Wallace, who was a single mother. <laughs> we do not know who his father was. So, not was, sure what genes he got from that side. That was but, the most southern name I've ever... Lottie Mae Wallace. Lottie Mae Wallace. <laughs> very, very traditional. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, he grew up in a... Double shack essentially a very very tiny tiny home um he lived there with his mom um his older sister yvonne who was like three years older than him and Mm -hmm. his great grandmother uh they were like when i say this was like a like a shack like i'm i'm not kidding like it didn't have plumbing it didn't have electricity like it was essentially just kind of like four walls (laughs) just like a lean to yeah like horses that have more accommodations than that exactly so like he he did grow up in like extreme extreme poverty like even most people who grow up in extreme poverty still like have like running water you know or like a bathroom um so that that did suck for him um his mother was extremely strict they did not get along very well uh, like most people with strict parents. <laughs> um, his mom also what? did not get along with his grandma at all. And they were constantly fighting all the fucking time. Basically, just everybody hated each other and nobody got along. <laughs> uh, which honestly, could you really get along living in a tiny little house like that with that many people with no electricity mm. or water? Mm. I probably would hate everyone too. I'm not You're- gonna lie to you. <laughs> in each other's shit way too much like i don't i don't want to give her a pass because she's not a very good mom but like i probably would also hate everyone (laughs) um she was gone a lot though she worked at a local textile mill so this was you know the 1960s like Mm -hmm. they didn't really treat them the best it was long hours a lot of work she didn't make a lot of money um this meant that he had to not only be on his own a lot, which there is a story that he 
witnessed this like gang rape situation when he was like seven but i only saw that in one place and that was not like i I didn't find any more information about that they didn't have any specific details like that was literally like as specific as they got Mm, so i am hesitant to believe that happened but i do think that like you know this child that's very poor that like his mom's gone all the time and stuff like he probably did see some shit yeah like whether it was that specifically like he probably saw some shit because he wasn't being supervised most of the time um this also meant that because they didn't have a lot of money he was pretty much always stuck wearing his sister's hand-me-downs um so he grew up most of his childhood um wearing women's clothing well little girls clothing oh good um which you know of course there's absolutely nothing wrong with little boys wearing little girls clothing there's nothing wrong with that clothing shouldn't really be gendered um however it's the 60s so there is a problem with that and he probably got bullied but funny enough funny enough he actually like you okay you think i'm about to like go on a hold like he got bullied mercilessly like all of the other poor people i've talked about that have gotten bullied mercilessly but like not at all like people loved him like when he was at home it was shit like like it was really bad like his mom she was like exhausted of course from working all these fucking hours and stuff but she like was so strict she wanted to beat her children but she was too tired to beat her children herself. So she would make them get like switches and then beat each other. Jesus Christ. Because she was too lazy to do it. Well, not lazy. She was probably just too tired. But like, I don't know. Maybe just like don't beat your children then. That's always an option. That's not traumatizing. <laughs> you don't have to make beat each other. We before. could just not done it. <laughs> like. But anyways, back to the happier stuff. There's Um, no way that that caused any sort of developmental issues. (laughs) Right. Do you want to hear exactly how I wrote it in my notes, though? I said, even though Lottie believed in strict discipline, she would make them whip each other with switches because she was too tired to man up and beat her children herself like a proper parent. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was on when I wrote these notes. I mean, I feel the same way about all of the like the questions that Congress brought up about the TikTok thing. You're like, oh, what about the kids doing this, that, and the other thing? Um, maybe just supervise your kids. Wait, like, I don't know. You no. handle it. It's kind Literally. of your job. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, anyways, like I said, happier things. Um he actually was super popular and so, well i don't want to say like super popular but he was like f- very popular people really liked him and like when he left high school and stuff like people had a lot of positive things to like say about him like his classmates really liked him he got elected to student council he was supposed to be on the football team like everybody wanted him to be on the football pe- team and like supported him but his mom mm-hmm. said no cuz she sucks um so Okay, this is the only, literally the only thing I will ever give this man credit for. This is the only cool thing he ever did. And I will tell you what it is right now. When he wanted to be a football player and his mom said no. And keep in mind, this is like 1975 when this was happening. He turns around and he becomes the only male cheerleader for the football team. 
And he was at every fucking game cheering his ass off as the only male cheerleader for his entire high school career. And people loved him for it. You know, that's a level of petty that I'll get behind. Exactly. Not only is it a level of petty I'll get behind, but also, like, you clearly had to be charismatic enough that your classmates and teachers and everybody at the school supported you. Like, you know that people hated your mom when they supported a man, like, joining the cheerleading team back then. Yeah. Like, that was the mid-70s. Like, it was not okay to be gay. Yeah, and now that he's not even gay. He's not gay. Let me preface that. He's not gay either. But, like, obviously that would be the connotation that would be put on him at yeah. that time for doing that thing. Um, But then, okay, that's really the only positives we have for this whole thing. I'm not going to oh, lie to you. Great. That was really, like, the only high point. <laughs> um. He, while he, like, obviously did well in school, like, friend-wise and stuff, um, he was not the best, like, class-wise. Um, he did graduate, though. He graduated in 1983. Um, he went to one semester at the South Carolina State College, and then he went to a different, like, technical school, and he only went there for, like, a semester. But in the meantime, when he was, like, doing those things, he was working as a radio disc jockey. Um, he was going by the name Night Rider. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and obviously, he liked that a lot more than school, which, understandably, I would like that a lot more than school, too. <laughs> I Complete sidebar. I just want you to know, this entire time, my brain has just been repeating um, that scene from princess in the frog where she's like you were messing with the shadow man and he's like he was very charismatic literally just that's what my brain's been doing this whole time no that's honestly very accurate you you will see how accurate that is as we get into this but like we're, we're not we're not far off with that oh great so he's only a radio disc jockey for a little while Mm -hmm. um he got caught stealing records and he got fired um, at this point, he's kind of like, do. yeah, like, understandably so. Um, and so at this point, like, he's kind of like, okay, there's nothing like holding me here in Barnwell anymore. So he goes and joins the U.S. Naval Reserve. The and progression of people that didn't do well in school. Literally. And he does great. He does fantastic. They fucking love him. He oh, yeah. did his job well. He did exactly what they said. Um, 1985, he gets married to his former high school classmate, Marietta Brabham. That feels like I'm saying it wrong every time I'm saying it, but I know that I'm not. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Um, She also, like, she already had a daughter, like, from someone else. And, like, he took her daughter in, like, became a father to her daughter. So things are going great, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong. No, I'm just kidding. They were going great for a little while. <laughs> um, but not long after he gets married, he gets into drugs. And by drugs, I mean mostly crack cocaine. You know, because oh, oh. he just jumped straight into crack for some reason. Yeah, that's uh, quite the progression. Which, honestly, I mean, is the Navy. So, like, I guess I get it. But, like, I mean, I feel like we would have tried, like, stimulants or something before we went straight to crack. But, like, okay. Yeah. 
Um, you know, weirdly enough, drugs are expensive. Um, Crazy how that works out. (laughs) So he started robbing local homes and businesses in the area to help fund this habit. Um, And he was stationed in Washington at this time. I don't know if I said that. Um, So this was kind of happening in like the local Seattle area. Um, So he is served with a couple of burglary warrants in Seattle. Um, But in January of 1988, he like actually gets like fully caught and like fully arrested because they had put out the warrants, but they hadn't like caught him yet. Like, they didn't actually have him in custody. But he broke into a hardware store, and they, like, actually caught him. I think they caught him when he tried to, like, sell the stuff. Um, And he pled guilty to a charge of second-degree burglary. Um, He only got two years supervised probation. But then he didn't even go to, like, the majority of his probation, like, hearing. Like, the meetings he was supposed to have with his PO. He just, like, didn't go to most of them. And they just didn't do anything about it. So, in February of 1991, he breaks into his old high school and the radio station he used to work at in Barnwell. So, we've we've left Seattle. We're back in Barnwell. I'll explain these transitions later. Okay. You'll see why. Um, but he stole some recording and video equipment, and he got caught again when he tried to pawn them. 1992 comes around. He's arrested again. This time for breaking and entering. And you know what was also happening during this whole time? Hmm. His perfect military service. Because the military just did not care that this was happening. All of this happened while he was in the military, actively serving. Like, these things happened when he was on leave. And they they just did not care. What the fuck? You know what they gave him for all of this happening? Uh, all of these things? All of the, like, 20 fucking warrants he had for burglary? You know what he got for it? Like a slap on the wrist? An honorable discharge. How? What? Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Honorably discharged. Stellar military service. Say Thank you for serving our country. With me folks if you do not punish the little things they will escalate to bigger things a fucking minute so around this time like when he's getting honorably discharged um his wife divorces him as well i didn't really see like a lot about that like I i didn't really see a lot of information about that but like I mean, he's a piece of shit, so, like, I don't really blame her for wanting to leave, so (laughs) I don't really need to understand the context to know that she was in the right with that situation. (laughs) Literally. Um, So, November of 1992, he, you know, leaves the area, his wife's gone, he's not in the military anymore, so he moves to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he kind of bounces around, he's still in active drug addiction at this point as well, just so you know. Um, and he's, like, bouncing around working at, like, different, like, fast food restaurants. Like, for most of this, he works at a Taco Bell. Oh, no, not Taco Bell. I know. It kind of has ruined Taco Bell for me a little bit. I say, like, I haven't gotten Taco Bell, like, four times in the last, like, two days. But... I was going to say, you were literally eating Taco Bell during the last episode. I went to Taco Bell three times yesterday. <laughs> Dude. I just, like, 
it's been my only safe food lately and the taco bell that's by my work uh is so fucking good like i don't know who works there but they actually give a shit about their job and that food is so fucking good so like it's been making me like extra want to go to taco bell because it actually doesn't taste like shit for once (laughs) anyway fair like a frozen baja blast sounds fucking amazing right now right like i already got a fucking burrito but like i already (laughs) what's wrong with me anyways at least i'm eating something for once goddamn fucking seriously right like at least it's like shit like that'll give me some extra fucking calories like none of that shit's particularly good for you yeah (laughs) anyways anyways december 1992 this man impregnates his girlfriend at the time which is this girl named sadie mcknight and we'll get into sadie later this is Sadie's intricately involved in this in ways that. Oh, is she getting like Hindi Hindi? No, no. Luckily, no. Um, but it, it's more like fucked up how she's involved. Anyway, we'll get into that. Um, you want to know what I titled this next section? Oh my god! Don't tell me. But isn't this about murder? You're damn skippy. It is. Are you okay? Apparently not. When I wrote this. Okay, so let's rewind. In the early months of 1990, 18-year-old Tashonda Bethea disappears in Barnwell. Mm -hmm. So a couple of weeks later, her body is found in a nearby lake. Um, They kind of, they questioned obviously a bunch of people trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Um, Henry was one of these people, but like nothing ever came of it like they questioned him and then like they never really questioned him again okay um around this time he's also questioned in the attempted rape of a 16 year old girl but again nothing comes of this and he's never questioned again Uh, okay um wallace was questioned into shonda's death because they had actually dated several times and it was known that like she didn't really like him anymore but he definitely was still into her but uh we'll we'll come back to that but uh yeah so Deshonda goes missing and then is found nobody really knows what happened cool interesting may of 1992 so two years later yeah Henry picks up 33-year-old Sharon Nance, um, who was a local convicted drug dealer and prostitute. Um, he, They don't know exactly where he picked her up, but it's thought that, like, this was the first time they had met. So, like, kind of, pro- it seems like kind of like a, like, he picked her up on a street corner kind of situation. Gotcha. Um, they went somewhere. They slept together. Um, of course. She was like, pay me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this is my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck you, pay me. Literally. literally. Um, when he when she does this, he freaks out and beats her to death. And then he abandons her body near some railroad tracks on Roselle's Ferry Road. And she was found a couple of days later. I'm sorry. Did he not think that that's how that works? Like, do, do you not know what? What prostitution is? It's a basic goods and services exchange. You got the the services, so pay her. 
yeah like i don't i don't know what you thought was gonna (laughs) happen here like so we're like a month later what did i say may may to june that's a month right yeah okay that's june 19th what i said that's how time works (laughs) i thought you said that's two months and i was like is it i was like how did i do that math wrong Man, I wish I knew that. I totally would have gaslit you into thinking there's two <laughs> months between May and June. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, so, June 19th. June 19th, 1992. He enters his girlfriend Sadie's apartment. So Sadie at the time is living with another girl. Um, her name is Carolyn Love. And they're, like, about the same age. They both work at the local Bojangles restaurant. Um, Jesus, that's the name I haven't heard in a hot second. I know, right? I know a lot of this, ha- like, they keep they kept bringing up the Bojangles as I was going through this. And it, was, it like, rattled me every time. Like, <laughs> fucking South, man. Um, so when he gets there, neither of them is home. Like, he gets the, to, there to an empty apartment. Okay. So Carolyn gets there first. And when she gets there, he kisses her on the cheek. And instantly she's like, that's fucking weird. Never, ever do that again. Uh, What the fuck? You're literally dating my roommate. Mm. Um, She tells him that, like, if he never does it again, that, like, she's not going to say anything to Sadie about it. Just, like, don't cross that boundary again. Which, honestly, pretty fucking fair of her. Yeah, like, I, uh, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, as you can probably guess, he was not that crazy about that response. Um, <coughs> he then proceeds to grab her in a chokehold, and he chokes her till she is almost unconscious. Oh God, that's quite the escalation. He then drags her back to the bedroom where he sexually assaults her as he still has her like in a choke hold. Like he's restraining her. Um, She starts to fight back because she kind of like comes back to consciousness, probably because he had to like loosen up to be able to like do things. Yeah. Um, And also like undress her. Um, And so she like wakes up a little bit. She starts fighting back um, and he grabs the like her nearby curling iron that was like on her dresser and he chokes her to death with the cord of it oh fuck he then wraps her in bed sheets and and like keep like this is happening in his girlfriend's apartment his girlfriend is gonna be home at any minute like any minute and he's doing this um so he wraps her up in the bed sheets and he stuffs her into a large orange trash bag and drags her out to his car he then drives out to Charlotte's city limits and he dumps her body in a ditch. Oh, shit. And then he goes back to the apartment and pretends like nothing happened. So, you know, Sadie gets home, is surprised that Carolyn is at home, but doesn't think anything of it too hard um, until Carolyn's sister Kathy contacts her that night. And Kathy's like, hey, like, your guys' work called me said that she never came in like that's very unlike her like have you seen her have you heard from her like we're concerned um this is also very concerning to sadie 
Sadie is also very worried. She likes her roommate. She gets along with her roommate. Mm -hmm. So they actually meet up. Her and her roommate's sister, Kathy, they meet up and they go to the police station together to report her missing. Do you want to know who took them to the police station? Don't you dare say him. He not only drove them there, but accompanied them the whole time in the police station with them. Oh, I hate it. Also, like, good on her for being so, like, on top of abnormal behavior for her roommate. Because, like, dude, I I remember the day that I worked until, like, midnight and you blew up my phone. Yeah, like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> like, I don't care where you are. Like, you can be wherever you want to be, but just let me know where the fuck you are. <laughs> like, that'll never... So, for context, like, Morgan and I used to live together, and at the time, I was working at an emergency hospital that was 24-7, and I was 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and it was, like, an hour drive. So, most days, I would get home around, like, 8.30, 9-ish, depending on like how late I had to stay well there was a day where like shit hit the fan everything that came in was dying or bleeding profusely or like needed to go to surgery ASAP and I didn't leave work until probably close to like 12 one o'clock in the morning and Morgan blew my phone up absolutely blew my phone up yeah because like I'm not playing around with that shit like like I said, like you're a grown adult. You can do whatever the fuck you want. It's fine wherever you are. <laughs> but I better know where your ass is. And I think this has been like I've had this be an issue before in like past relationships. And I think people don't understand. You know, and it's probably because no one I date has ever listened to my podcast. And maybe they would understand a lot more if they listened to this podcast. Uh, honestly, though. Um, but like, because like i'm like i don't give a fuck where you are like you can be wherever hang out with your friends do whatever the fuck you want um i just want to make sure you're not like dead <laughs> like that's all i care about <laughs> like <laughs> right like really? like i don't care like go out of town go hang out with your friends do whatever the fuck but like how how am i supposed to report you missing like if i don't know you went out of town and then something happened to you and then you didn't come back like i wouldn't even know you had gone like so who would report you like who would even know you know and like that could set things back so far like even just having a general idea of like oh hey like i know someone's going to like this city or, like yeah. this general area like that right there is already so helpful well, yeah absolutely. yeah like anyways i'll get off my somebody because I... this gets worse I, I'm kind of just avoiding wanting to say this next part. I was trying to swallow water, um, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when I know you're at work, because I don't trust Jackson, Michigan, no offense, uh, but also all of the offense. Um, so when I know that you work, I will constantly check your location <laughs> and I will watch and I will wait for you to leave and then I'll check it again to make sure that you got home. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm fucking... We cover enough people <laughs> that we know all of the crazy shit that could happen. I was watching a fucking 
uh, one I don't know some fucking crime show one of those generic ones but it was one specifically that was focused on like security camera footage mm-hmm. and this fucking girl like this was totally like just an opportunistic thing too like this was not something that this person had like planned out either like she went to a store I think it was like Target he saw her in the store followed her around like came out she was walking to her car he ran up from the other, like, the aisle next to hers, shoves her in the car and kind of, like, over into the passenger seat and, like, kind of shoves himself, like, into the driver's seat and fucking, like, peels out of there. And, like, she had ended up dying. Like, he, he kidnapped her and he took her and he killed her. And, like, all of this happened, and I, no exaggeration, in less than six seconds. Great. It happened so fucking fast you could barely even physically see it happen on the security cam footage like shit can happen anywhere like i do not play any games yeah uh don't mind me i'm gonna get toki a service dog vest now because nobody's sneaking up to me with toki like he is so not at all (laughs) anywho anyways like you have a little trauma with your story (laughs) literally um but Sorry, I hit the mute button again. I was gesturing too dramatically. Um, but I think about that every single time I go to the fucking store now. And I'm yeah. even more traumatized than I already was every single time I go to the fucking store. Jesus. But anyways, are you ready to get mad? Always. So the police accompany them back to the apartment where they find signs of a struggle and other suspicious signs that she very much did not leave willingly and they did nothing i'm i'm sorry do you want to run that by me again no follow-up did not question a single person they didn't question any of the three people that were there that literally went and reported her missing including wallace who told them he was at the apartment great um if i ever like turn up missing and there's signs of a struggle in my house first of all uh ask drew first because you know it's it's always the husband second of all don't let them just not investigate that like are you like like just nothing you didn't think that was even like we shouldn't even ask anybody like a single question like we shouldn't nothing at all like you're just gonna be like huh weird anyway let's go to duncan uh yeah so wallace went and visited carolyn's body twice He went and visited two days after where he described her as decayed to the point where she looked like leather, an E.T. doll or something. It's it's giving that comment I sent you. It really is. It really is. I I cannot explain to you how much I despise this man. Uh, Like that comparison alone makes me so fucking angry. Like I know why he made that comparison, but to have like that little empathy for like another fucking human being that you murdered. Let the bullying commence. I mean, I was going to bully him anyway because we're talking about him. So obviously he's not a good person, but he's the worst and then so he goes back another time as well um which we're we're not sure exactly like how much time after this was um but when he came back that time all that was left was bones um but her body wasn't actually found until march of 1994 so it was almost two years later oh shit so yeah he had 
a whole two-year time period where he could go visit her multiple fucking times and they knew he was in the apartment and he literally went to the fucking police station they literally knew that there was signs of a struggle and everything and they did anyways i can't think about it for too long we gotta move on yeah fair (laughs) because it just gets worse it just like that is not even it gets so much worse uh so i can't let myself get too hung up on that february 19th 1993 henry visits 20 year old shauna hawk she had just kind of moved back from community college and she was working at the local taco bell where he was her manager at the time so she had just gotten home she was like literally like taking her coat off and like hanging it up when her doorbell rings So she goes, she opens the door, and it's her boss from Taco Bell, fucking Henry. And she's like, why are you here? Can they sponsor Um, this episode with how many times we've mentioned Taco Bell so far? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, where is my sponsorship? I had to suffer so much for this. I deserve to be sponsored. I think the worst part is that, like, I know that Taco Bell's not that good, right? Um, however, we keep talking about it, and it sounds oh, good. God, right I, now, it. I, I literally had it before we started filming, and I already want it again because I keep talking about it. <laughs> Anyways, so even though like he was not planned to be here, she did not know he was coming or whatever. Like apparently, he, um, according to the North Carolina Public Records, uh, she let him right in, and like they hung out for like an hour, and like just you know like chit-chatting and like having a good time like you know kind of talking completely normally um and like even to the point where like at one point like wallace was kind of talking about like how he'd been fighting with his girlfriend sadie and she was like teasing him about it like you know like it was a very like casual like she clearly felt comfortable you know like she wasn't scared at all yeah um and then he went to leave and that's when shit got weird so like he goes to leave and he asks her for like a hug goodbye and like as he's like hugging her he like tells her that he wants to sleep with her and you like it seems like a very much like a, a like a f- freezer fawn moment like it seems like she very much like didn't want to do that but like was just scared and nervous and like didn't know how to say no because like she According to the details that we have, like, we think that she agreed to do it, but it didn't seem like she was really wanting to yeah, do it. Yeah, that moment that we've literally all been in where you're like, hmm, do I fight this and die or do I laugh it off and, you know, live? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, they get to the bedroom, like, he starts to undress her and then, like, she can't really hold her composure and she starts to cry Um, this doesn't stop him because he is the worst human being um like she was sobbing the whole time this did not dissuade anything um afterwards he told her to get dressed and like took her into the bathroom uh in the bathroom he puts her in the same chokehold that he put carolyn in uh until she's unconscious he then runs a bath puts her body in the bath uh, goes upstairs, steals fifty dollars from her, and leaves. Dude, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have like 
basic human emotions, but I will never understand how people can just like fuck somebody while they're crying. Like what? Never in a minute. Like I, I don't. I'm with you. Like, like that would just be such a turn off. Like yeah, like even if someone's even like the slightest bit not into it, like that's enough right there. Like, oh, I just everything about it just like makes me nauseous. This whole case makes me nauseous, to be honest. Um, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, so well, like it seems like he. Maybe wasn't that bad of a guy this time. Uh, when he chucked her out like that, he he killed her, and her her body was found by her boyfriend and her mother. Oh shit! Uh, they were both concerned because they hadn't heard from her and stuff, and basically like went in her house and yeah. found that. Um, and then they found that the cause of death had been ligature strangulation. So you know, him fucking choking her out. Um. So, the only sidebar I will note about the police and the culture and the time period, because the police, obviously we've already seen the police are not great, and it continues to not be great from here. Oh, boy. The only thing, the only thing I will say in their favor is that in this, like, Charlotte mecklenburg area in 1993 just in this little area there were 122 reported murders and 350 reported sexual assaults jesus christ on top of that hundreds of people also went missing all of this within 1993 all of this within this tiny area and at that time there was only seven people working in homicide. Oh, that is not enough people for that in many cases. So, to be fair, <laughs> the odds were not in anyone's favor here. And th- there, I can't imagine how hard those seven people were probably working. Like, even if they were half-assed, like, investigators, they were still probably running around to so many fucking places that they were still insanely busy. Like, so that that is the only thing I'll give them, but, like, you're gonna hate them so much by the time we're done with this anyways, but moving on. Um, do you want to know what Henry did after, after all of this? Um, something terrible, I'm sure. He went to her funeral and he hugged her mother next to her dead body. Oh, my anger issues could. I mean, obviously they don't know, but like, oh, my anger issues could never. <sighs> yeah. So four months later, um, he pays a visit to a- another young woman who worked with him at Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was 24-year-old Audrey Spain. Um, she had just gotten back from a vacation. And again, he kind of pulled the same thing, like just randomly showed up at her house. Like he was very charismatic. Um, he was able to charm his way into her house. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he needed fucking money. He was a, very addicted to crack and 
very much needed money to support his habit. Um, and he thought that because okay so he was one of the like the night shift managers or whatever and like she was like one of the other shift managers so he thought that she would have access to the safe so like that's what his like main like motivation was so like she lets him in they like roll a joint together they're like smoking and you know just having a casual conversation they get done with the joint he randomly throws her to the ground and demands the combination of the safe. She doesn't know it because he doesn't know it. He knows that shift managers don't have access to the fucking safe. He's also a shift manager. So I don't know why he ever thought she would have it. Um, but obviously she's like, I don't fucking have it. Um, so he th- then he like asked about her personal account. And she was like, bitch, I just got back from vacation. Yeah. I have no money. Like have you never been on a vacation like i spent all of my money um he chokes her he was surprised um drags her to the bedroom sexually assaults her um she so he choked her out and she was unconscious for like that part but he later said that she like kind of became conscious like mid sexual assault um obviously was terrified begged him not to hurt her obviously this didn't dissuade him yeah she gets done he tells her to get dressed when she turns around he chokes her again she is unconscious he grabs a nightgown and a t-shirt and ties them together for some bizarre fucking reason uh and strangles her to death with this weird makeshift contraption mm-hmm um and then he puts her body in the shower you know washes the evidence off uh which is probably why he put the other girl in the bathtub too was like to try to get his dna off um and then he put her body back on the bed and then on the way out he stole her credit card so and like both of these girls were also very similar they were both young they're both black they're both like attractive they're both killed at their homes. They were both killed at the, they worked at the same Taco Bell at the same time. They were both killed in the same way. They were both robbed. They were both washed. Both houses did not have signs of forced entry. But no one connected these things. These these were not connected. <sighs> Six weeks goes by. Nothing changes. Who's surprised? Mm-mm. This time, Henry shows up to the home of Valencia Jumper, who is 21, who is actually this time a friend of his sister's. They went to Winthrop University together, and Valencia worked at a local grocery store, and he had like introduced himself to her there before, being like, oh, hey, like you know my sister, like blah, blah, blah. Um, again, shows up at her house unexpecting manages to talk his way in mm-hmm. and he's telling her that like he just had a big fight with his girlfriend he's distraught he just needs someone to talk to um so they talk for a little while and then he actually tells valencia he tells her to call sadie and tell him or tell sadie where he is like basically tells him like you know whatever tell her about the conversation or whatever yeah 
Um, she turns her back and he, of course, chokes her, drags her to the bedroom, sexually assaults her, chokes her to death with a towel. So this time he makes devi- deviates for some reason. We, he mixes it up inexplicably. And he soaks her body in rum from the kitchen. He puts some pork and beans on the stove and then cranks it on high, takes the battery out of her smoke detector, and then he lights a match, lights her body on fire, and leaves. Goddamn. Um, and then he also, like, stole some jewelry and stuff, like, that which he pawned later on. Um, so the medical examiner was troubled because when they tested Valencia, they saw that she did not die of carbon monoxide poisoning, which is what most people who die in fires die of. Yeah. Um, and there was no evidence of inhalation of soot at all. Um, but, but they still fucking ruled the death as accidental. Seriously. Michael Sullivan, the fucking county medical examiner, marked the cause of death to be thermal burns, which effectively rules the death accidental, even though her injuries were not consistent with an accidental death. And because he ruled it accidental, when when he freely, freely had the option to mark it undetermined, and if he would have marked it undetermined, this would have prompted an immediate police investigation, which would have found that her body was soaked in rum, that things were stolen from her apartment, which would have clearly shown, obviously, that it wasn't a fucking accident, that someone very, like, they didn't even find them. Yeah, like, they didn't look for an accelerant or anything at all, like, it might have also rem- the, the fucking removal of the smoke detector battery. They could have found that because that was that was preserved enough that they could have found it because obviously it was found later on. So they easily could have found that if there would have been any fucking investigation. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what's even better? You know what makes me so happy? Don't appreciate the tone that you're using. But. Not only, not only was this case not connected, even though it was very similar to all of the other ones, but on top of that, do you want to know what Sullivan's comment was when he found out his error a year later? What? It was just a bad judgment call. Are you shitting me? Michael Sullivan is still the county's medical examiner to this day. Dude, what the fuck? So, um, if you, uh, if you feel like contacting anyone, because I don't know if you know this, lovely, lovely viewers of ours, I don't know if you know this, but a medical examiner is actually not an educated position. Um, there's actually no required education or experience you have to have to be a medical examiner you know what you do have to be a medical examiner you just have to be elected you just have to be elected in your county that's all wait really so yeah yeah that's all so if you uh 
if you feel any type of way about that or want to tell the county how you feel about that policy and how we feel about Michael Sullivan, because I already have, um, (laughs) I'm sure they would love to hear about it. So because you know what medical examiners can be as elected officials? They can be removed from office. So for incompetence. Yes, they can. So just just putting that fun little little tidbit in there for you guys. Good to know. Good to know. I told you I fell down a rabbit hole with this. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Feel very passionately. Anyways, moving forward. September 15th of 1993. Still in the same year. Henry shows up to the house of Michelle Stinson, Mm -hmm. who is 20 years old and who also worked with him at Taco Bell. She has two sons who were at this time aged one and three. They, you know, he shows up unexpected, charms his way into the house. Mm -hmm. They talk for a while. Um, He goes to leave, heavy quotation marks, um, and he gives her a hug and did the same shit that he did to Shauna, and he says that, like, he wants to have sex with her and that she should get undressed, and Michelle is like, I'm sick, I can't, like, I don't feel good, and so he demands to see the medicine that she's taking for her illness. Um, Of course, she's not sick, so there's no medicine. There's no, like, you know, she can't, like, that was just, like, her being, like, I don't want to do this, you know? So, like, when she can immediately back up that story with, like, a bunch of details, like, he got angry. So, he sexually assaults her, this time just right there in the kitchen. Um, He then chokes her out. Um, But for some reason, like, mid-choking her out, he decides to, like, go to the bathroom and get a towel then he comes back and, like, tries to strangle her with a towel. None of this worked. Like, she was still sort of conscious. Like, clearly still alive. Um, and he then stabbed her four times in the back with a kitchen knife. God damn. Using a washcloth, he wiped his fingerprints from everything. Um he raped his fingerprints from a glass he had touched um, the phone, which to this day, we don't know why, but for some reason the phone was ripped out of the wall. So I don't know if maybe like she reached for it and like managed to grab it and he like pulled her down or something. Um, But he wiped that and like the door, the wall, the floor. Um, At some point her three-year-old son woke up and walks into the kitchen where her body is. Um, Henry tells him to go back to bed. Um, he flees the apartment and he throws the knife and the washcloth over the fence at the back of her apartment. Her two children discover her body. Um, luckily, thank fucking God, because she lived alone with these two children who are one and three. They don't know what a phone is. It's also ripped from the wall, so they couldn't use the phone even if they knew what the phone was. Um, luckily... A friend drops by actually relatively soon, like I think the same day, like like not long after this happens. And the three-year-old manages to let the person into the home. Cause I don't I don't think Henry locked the door when he left. So I think yeah. like they were able to get in pretty easily. 
And then the three-year-old told the friend that his mother was sleeping in the kitchen. Obviously, they find out that that's not the case. Um, so <laughs> our favorite, Michael Sullivan, um, determined that she died from stab wounds with a ligature strangulation as a contributing cause. Um, It's not known if the specific investigation conducted by the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department connected the fact that Henry knew Stinson, but, like, everybody fucking knew this. He knew her from Taco Bell, where everybody fucking knew each other. Like, it was very, like, everybody knew that he knew all of these people. Like his phone number connected the dots by now. His contact information was in every single woman that's killed, like uh, like their you know like their address book. book. Yeah, yeah, every single one of them. Also, we just DoorDash Taco Bell because we've said it too many times. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. (laughs) I'm about to get it when I leave here, dude. I'm such a trash bag. I can't help myself. Um, so still. didn't make any of these connections yeah i don't i just at this point too like at at this point there has literally been five deaths or disappearances in 15 months all within a five mile radius in east charlotte in a predominantly black community like all of the women who go missing are young attractive black women or like are killed Like, like so, obviously, the predominantly black community was very angry and also terrified. Um, the residents accused City Hall of not giving a fuck. They're like, hey, we are literally 31% of the fucking population. Um, it'd be pretty cool if you investigated our crimes, you know, since we're like more than a quarter of the fucking population. Like, <laughs> um, so the. P- Like, oh my god, I need like a drink yeah. after it's, this. Like, okay. god damn. It was just this like worse. racially motivated or like what was this guy's deal? It's like and that and that's the the thing is too, like none of none like Henry Wallace, I don't know if I said this. I just realized that I don't know if I said this. He's black. He's black. Like he is the same race as them. So it's not like he's I... like weirdly fetishizing black women or something like that um i think this is just like it's the community he's a part of it's the people he knows it's the people he works with um i'm you not know. gonna lie to you i 100 assumed this was a white man the whole time you know i just i i didn't realize until we were talking about that that i was like i i don't know if i said that because i like i just i know what he looks like so like i didn't even think about it but yeah. no he's he's black so this is this is just the community that he is a part yeah. of. So it's just a... Because um, these are all people he knows very intimately. They're like his yeah. co-workers and stuff. So it's like, it's just, yeah, like the people who live by him. Just a crime you know. of convenience, not like a... Exactly. Um, like these are the convenient people he knows around him that he knows where their addresses are, where he can just fucking pop up on them and try to like steal shit from them. Yeah. God, what a trash bag. So the police department responds i say in quotation marks um, <laughs> to the protestations of the black community uh, which were very fucking reasonable um and they hold an emergency press conference at this press conference like uh, just a couple hours before 
the department appoints Sergeant Gary McFadden as the lead investigator. Uh, McFadden had no involvement in any of these cases in any way, shape, or form. Um, but coincidentally enough, he was like the only black investigator oh. that they could have appointed to this role, uh, which, you know, and maybe they did that. I don't want to say that they did that in a bad way. That could have been like, hey, um, you know, you understand understand the population like you're more part of the community they might trust you a little bit more um so i don't want to say that that was necessarily bad like a bad motivation because in some ways like it does make sense however it is a little random seeing as all of the (laughs) other investigators had worked on one of these cases at some point and he was like the only one who hadn't um so pretty interesting that he was the choice um yeah. and I, everyone else felt the same way you, like it was not you want just me who felt a little the, about the benefit that. of the doubt but like it's also the 70s so the yeah are, and are we in the, the 80s now we are in the early 90s actually 90s whatever but not much difference yeah. to be honest it's still really not that much different today so like but fucking um yeah the 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 greater community at large felt similarly to me so they also felt like it was a little weird um but so when around when this happens though the the crimes actually stop for a little bit so from like 19 like kind of the end of 1993 through like 1994 there we don't have really many crimes for him like at least not crimes of this nature yeah um and there's like a couple of things that could be from that um obviously like i said the black community was not very excited about this and they weren't very excited after that guy was appointed um so the police did increase patrols in the area because they were like trying to calm people down right um and then three months after the murder of stinson um Henry actually fathered a baby girl, but I don't know if you remember that I said that he impregnated Sadie, but this baby girl did not come from Sadie. He impregnated some other bitch that I'm not going to lie. I I don't know who that is. I I don't know her name, but yeah, he impregnated somebody else completely. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, February 4th, he is arrested for shoplifting. Um, He was booked, given a court date, and then released. He obviously did not show up for that court date. um, And they issued a warrant for his arrest. However, there is zero record of even an attempt to apprehend him at any point. Jesus. Even though they had an open warrant for him. Yeah. And, like, knew that he was in connection to these crimes. But still, nothing at all. Um, And I think that this was the major turning point here. Because, don't get me wrong, this man has been off the rails up until this point. But this is the moment, like, when he's arrested for shoplifting and he's released. And they issue a warrant and nobody comes after him and nobody gives a fuck. That he realizes, just truly, truly realizes just how incompetent the authorities are 
and how little he has to worry about them. Yeah. Uh, Like, they literally had him in handcuffs in their building and just let him go. So, yeah. We, uh, We can tell from the next couple of incidents that this was really a a turning point for him um he definitely got a lot more reckless um definitely got a lot more violent which we'll we'll get into um and also he's getting just progressively more and more addicted to crack as all of this is happening as well uh don't forget about that that's always fun um so honestly i keep forgetting about the crack (laughs) yeah it you know, he just does so much fuck shit that you just kind of forget about. And I think it's because he's so, um, like, charismatic. Yeah. That, like, like you're like, uh, well, like, you don't think about it. Because, like, when you think of, like, a really bad crack addict, like, you don't think of someone who can, like, charm their way into all these people's houses. Oh, I know who stuff. I think of. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Why did I write it like this? I can't. I can't hammer myself. I wrote Wallace was Jones and hard for crack. <laughs> Are you okay? No. Okay. Never at any point during this have I been okay. If you can't tell. <laughs> um. So he calls on Vanessa Mack, the sister of one of his employees at Taco Bell. Jesus. Uh, so once again, shows up at her house, uses his charm to like get in, chats with her a while, asks for. See, you know what? And I'm just going to put a little sidebar here. This is why women don't like when men ask for hugs. Because you know what he did next? He asked for a hug. This is why we don't like give me a oh. hug, motherfuckers. Like, yeah, because uh. you're creepy. You're creepy. Don't. Um, but she goes, uh, no, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, and so he asks her for like a drink of water. So she turns around and he pulls out a pillowcase he had hidden under his shirt and he chokes her with it. Um, he didn't like choke her to death. Like he just choked her a little bit because he was like he tried he was he had her bank card and he was trying to get her like pin number and stuff from her. And she gave him a pin number. And then after this, he drags her to the bedroom and sexually assaults her. Like always, he told her to get dressed. When she turns around, he strangles her with a towel. Um, He leaves the apartment. He walks down the street. He gets a cab. He takes the cab to an ATM. He couldn't take out any money because she gave him the wrong passcode. Oh, which honor. Why wouldn't she? Like, that's why you keep the person alive to you get the fucking money. Like, of course, why wouldn't they lie? Literally. Like, if someone just asked me, like, what's your fucking bank code? Like, yeah, I'd probably just tell them a random ass number too. Like, what do you mean? Also, I like, I muscle memory that shit. I don't actually know the numbers. Oh my God, yes. Because every time I go to Loom, their fucking little bank thingy, the little <laughs> fucking card reader machine, it has the numbers switched. Like they're flipped. And oh my god, I feel like an idiot. I genuinely have to pull out my phone, go to the (laughs) lock screen, fight with it for 10 minutes so it stops trying to do face ID. Like, get the fucking thing open and be like, what is my passcode? Dude, I felt that. And that would fuck my day up. God, it gets me every fucking time. I hate it. Um, 
So anyways. Right. I'm going to be like, uh, it's like up, up, down, down, left, right. A, B. <laughs> like the, the middle top. <laughs> like, I don't know. Whatever that one is. Like. <laughs> um. So Vanessa's body is found by her mother the next morning. Um. Our old friend Michael Sullivan determines the cause of death to be a ligature strangulation. Wow, you don't say. <laughs> there is no report of the murder on the news that night. What? No report of the murder. This murder was not gotten any attention until after like all of this is done with. Look, on I- top of that, the investigation took no note. Of the fact that her sister worked at the same Taco Bell as Shauna Hawk and Audrey Spain. Just I roasted the press in the last episode and I'll do it again, I swear to God. So at this point, evidence shows us that uh at this point, like his addiction was so bad that like it he had gotten to the point where like that was the center of his life yeah like he had no life outside of that that was i'm familiar with that behavior i clarify i am not an addict nor have i ever been uh i know people that are very close to me or were very close to me that were addicts so i am very familiar with that behavior yeah i was like (laughs) very very familiar unfortunately very familiar um so with Vanessa's situation like he didn't get any money out of that so like you know he murdered her but like I mean the murder was kind of like just like a bonus like he was just doing that to get money so like he didn't actually get any money out of it yeah um so he waited two weeks but like her murder didn't even fucking get reported on the news so he was like oh well clearly no one gives a shit so might as well keep killing people because no one cares. It's not even making the news. Like, he probably didn't even know she'd been found. Because how would he? It wasn't even on the news. Like, right, like just assuming that she wasn't found or something? Yeah, like... Uh, and she lived alone. Like, there was quite a possibility she wouldn't have, you know? Yeah. So, March 8th, he goes to the apartment complex of his friend Vernon Lamar Woods. Um, Vernon worked with him at fucking Taco Bell. I hate the name Vernon. I just want you to know that. I do too. I, um, I was going to tell the story like it, it was a palate cleanser, but it's not even a palate cleanser. Yeah, it's just all it's all bad. Uh, um, our uh, our high school uh, gym teacher was named Vernon or like one of them. Um, and he was in charge of like sex ed. Um and vernon here was real fucking weird and he would like lick his lips anytime he said dick or vagina <laughs> or Ew. penis or vagina whatever that made me um, physically cough i like yeah it so no hard. it made us all so uncomfortable and then he was like vehemently scared of the dark so like some of the guys in our class would like run and shut off the lights and then he would like start freaking out and get really mad but so yeah i hate the name vernon don't don't know anybody good with the name vernon and I was going to tell that story like it was a palate cleanser, but that that feels like pedophilia behavior. So I don't think it was a palate cleanser. Why do we all have a story like that, though? Like my Dude. middle school principal, fucking Brian Gilreath. What a guy. What a guy, man. What a guy. Um, he was arrested um, oh. and, put in, and put in prison. 
um, because he was caught spying into the windows of the girls at our school who lived the closest he he went to the office looked up their addresses found who lived closest to the school and like by him and then would stand outside their windows at night and try to like creep on them Mm, don't like that don't like that he shows up because he expects vernon to like he knows that vernon works that night and he thinks that Vernon's already gone, but he shows up there and with the plan of robbing and like murdering his girlfriend, who is 18-year-old Brandy June Henderson. But when he gets there, Woods opens the door. And like he wasn't expecting that, of course. So he's like all flustered and he was like, um, um, I'm actually leaving town for like a while. I just wanted to like say goodbye before I took off. Ew. Um, which like they were like friends outside of work as well. So like this wasn't as like weird as it could have been because it wasn't like with the other girls where he was kind of just like because he did show up unannounced. But like at least these people were actually like friends. Like they had actually hung out outside of work before where like with these other girls, like a lot of them, like he had never seen them outside of work. Like, it was very weird for him to just show up to their house. Fine, I guess. Um, So he, you know, backtracks. Obviously, he doesn't go in the apartment. Like, he just kind of, like, stumbles out his excuse and walks away. And as he's, like, walking through the apartment complex, he goes, Oh, yeah. I know someone else who lives here. And that someone is 24-year-old Betty Bocum, who worked with his girlfriend Sadie at the Bojangles. Uh, Betty was the assistant manager over there. And he was like, she's the assistant manager. She might have the key or like the combination or whatever I need to get into the safe at the Bojangles restaurant, Um, which she didn't anyways. Right. Um, Oh, wait, no, she did. I think she did, actually. Sorry, I lied. I got ahead of myself. I shouldn't have said it. Anyways, so goes to her apartment, does his normal thing, knocks on the door, charms him. Uh, she gets to the door. You know, he says, like, hey, can I use your phone? And she was like, yeah, like, you're my friend's boyfriend. Like, come on in. Um, So he, like, flips through her phone book, pretends to be looking up a phone number, waits until she turns her back, and then grabs her. Oh, shit. Um, He demands keys the safe combination and the alarm code um she resisted him for over 30 minutes um but eventually she did give him the combination to the safe but she didn't give him the keys or the alarm code um and he was like and i want to establish that first of all fuck bojangles i don't give a fuck steal their money i don't care like i would just do that shit like if i thought that could get me safely out of the situation yeah take all that shit yeah literally take it get out of here i'll talk to the police about it later i don't care um but the fact that she was strong enough because when i say that like he was asked like demanding for these things like he was actively choking her out for 30 minutes trying to get her to do this and she refused like the amount of strength that takes to have that kind of resistance while i'm like maybe a little misplaced here in this circumstance because fuck bojangles your job is not that important yeah literally like just comply and stay alive exactly but incredible strength yeah incredible that's impressive um 
so after he finally stops, after she gives him the combination, she asks him, like, why would you do that to me? And he said that he was sick and he had hurt many people. Um, she stood up, apparently, after this and told him that she forgave him. And she told them that he needed help and that she wanted to help him find help. Um, he grabs her by the throat, pushes her back down to the floor. The pattern continues, drags her to the bedroom, puts a towel around her neck, sexually assaults her, orders her to get dressed, strangles her to death, steals the money out of her purse and like a little bit of jewelry. Jesus. He then steals this. This is where he kind of gets like even more out of like where he kind of gets more reckless. Like He's getting a little more out of pocket. He steals her TV and he steals her car. He goes, immediately sells the TV, buys crack, smokes it, goes back to her apartment, takes her VCR, makes sure she's dead, and then, you know, sells the rest of the shit for crack. Jesus Christ. Um, so not even 12 hours later, nope, like, nobody even knows that she's dead yet. Um, he goes back to the same apartment complex. That same night, this is all on the same fucking day, um, when he knows for sure now that Vernon is at work. Like, he knows for a fact now that he's there. And he goes back to his original plan. So he goes back to Wood's apartment, knocks on the door, and pretends that he's, like, dropping off something for him. Gets into the apartment. Gets her calm. Asks for a drink. She turns around and he attacks her. A lot of things, like, did not go well for him in this specific murder. Okay. Like, this one was not very smooth, if you could call the other one smooth. But, like, I mean, it kind of was. Like, nobody interrupted him. He didn't really have any, you know, yeah. like, crazy circumstances where he might get caught or seen or anything. Um, but, so, you know, he asked her for money. She doesn't have any money. She's fucking 18 years old. And like has already had a kid at this point you know what i mean like yeah so she's got literally nothing to give him yeah like she's not working vernon's supporting them like you know so he takes her to the bedroom you know wants her to get undressed yeah um and she begs him to let her hold her son uh, he was like no that's weird <laughs> um and then she continued to beg and he was like, oh, I guess so. Sure. So then they go and get her baby. And she like holds her baby, who is like a an, an infant, like a, a like a baby. Yeah. As he like sexually assaults her. And then the baby cries, obviously. Um, then they go to the baby's room to stop the baby from crying where he continues to sexually assault her and then gets done, tells her to get dressed. Like she puts the baby back in the crib. Super strange. I don't, I don't, I don't know if she thought that maybe like the baby would like deter him. Yeah. Like would deter him somehow. Uh, I think I probably would have done the opposite and I would have wanted him to stay as far away from my baby as possible. I don't think I would have wanted to bring my baby into that. Yeah. But I, you know, everybody's different. I, I'm sure it was like an empathy thing. Like she thought maybe that would 
help or maybe she just thought that she was about to die and she just really right wanted to be close to her son like i wouldn't blame her for that either you know what i mean well especially if you like know everything that's going on like you're probably semi-aware of the fact that like oh shit like i'm the next victim so i mean I exactly like they all work together taco bell like i'm sure even though like it wasn't to say making the news i'm sure word got around that like hey like three of our fucking co-workers have been murdered in the same way yeah like like word gets around about stuff like that obviously <laughs> so he goes to the bathroom takes a towel wipes off his fingerprints from everything and strangles her to death the baby cries very loudly um he panics he tried to give the baby a pacifier the baby spit it out didn't work um he goes to the bathroom and gets a smaller tile towel and he no. ties it around the baby's neck um, <sighs> till the baby stops crying. He then takes her stereo and her TV and he leaves, sells them for $175 and buys crack. <sighs> uh, luckily, the baby does survive. Okay, good. The baby did have, you know, a little bit of damage, but um, nothing permanent, like no brain damage or anything. Like it was just like a little bit of like throat damage and like. As far as I'm aware, he is perfectly okay. No, I was about. To I didn't search it out. I don't want to know. That's his own business. Yeah, that was enough trauma he went through. I didn't search into it, but from all intents and purposes, I think he. It seems like he was perfectly fine physically wise after this. Yeah. Um. So the police are freaking out now. They've they found Betty. They have found you know. Vanessa like all of this stuff the Henderson like all these girls and they're like they're in the same fucking apartment complex they were killed the exact same way like this had to be the same person yeah so two days after Henderson's murder Sergeant McFadden brings in his detectives and it's literally not until this meeting that they realize that like they knew that Betty had died but it was like one of those things like one of the detectives was dealing with that and other detectives were dealing with this and there was no like connections made between them like they didn't even notice that they were like investigating in the same apartment complex at the same time i (sighs) so it wasn't until this meeting that they connected like oh there's a third person and she died just like henderson and mac did like the exact same way like there's seven people in your department like how how come on so then the detectives approach the family of these recent three victims which they could have done at any point for any of these victims and would have gotten the same result let me just put that out there but they go to the families of these three victims and they say can you give me a list of people that she would let inside of her apartment do you know whose name was on every single list your your boy Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Henry mm-hmm. basic something or other basic. So like they knew him to the point that every single person's family was like, oh yeah, she would trust him. Yeah, uh-huh. she would let him in. He would he would probably come over. Like everyone knew. Like this was not a secret and has yeah. not been a secret at any point. Like this was their manager. Like and he also dated, like, I'm pretty sure he dated Shauna for a little while and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, these are people he knew. Like, that's how he knew Shauna's mom. Yeah. Like, to give her a hug at the funeral and stuff. Like, this is intricate, you know? 
Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's killing anybody and everybody around him. So the next day, uh, March 11th, Betty's car is recovered. Um, All the fingerprints had been wiped from the steering wheel, the gear shift, the handle, the seat. But he missed the trunk. And there was a Ah, handprint left on the trunk. And guess whose handprint matched that one? Gee, I wonder who it could possibly be. Good old Henry. So McFadden runs his name to see if he has any prior convictions. Who guessed it? He fucking did. A shit ton of robberies, an armed rape, an outstanding warrant for not appearing on a larceny charge. Like, so they start a citywide manhunt for him. Meanwhile, while this is while this is happening, what do you think Henry's doing right now? Trying to find another fucking victim? I don't know. Oh, no, he already found her. Oh, buying crack? Deborah Slaughter, who was 35, also worked at the Bojangles with his girlfriend. And he knew for a fact that she smoked crack. So he went to her under the guise of talking her into buying some with him. And she was like, no, like, yeah, I've done it before, but, like, I need this money for rent. Like, I can't be buying drugs right now. Like, that's not in the budget. A weirdly and, responsible drug addict, okay. Yeah, like, weirdly <laughs> responsible for someone who's addicted to crack, but I respect it. Um, Wallace asks her for a drink. She turns around. He puts a towel around her neck. And the minute the towel touches her neck, Deborah goes, you fucking killed Betty and Brandy. You're the one who fucking did it. It was you, wasn't it? And she figured this out before the fucking police did. I don't like. God. Um, and then he. I I'm not gonna lie. I fucking I love Deborah. I love Deborah a lot. Deborah's all of these women are great, but Deborah's extra special to me i I love her a lot with a last name like slaughter how are you not gonna be a badass yeah like immediately she's like connected it you're the fucking serial killer it's been you this whole time and he orders her to give him a like a blowjob uh and she goes i don't do that you might as well go ahead and kill me (laughs) i love her i love her because not many people have the state of mind to be able to give sass like that back to someone who is like that's a terrifying circumstance like someone literally has a fucking from behind has a towel wrapped around your throat they're cutting off your breath and like with your last breath you're being like you're a serial killer and they're being like yeah (laughs) you know like that's not a situation most people would then have the courage to like have attitude yeah. you know i um, girl after my own heart <laughs> literally i love her um so wallace tightens the towels um and you know so she really can't breathe and he asks her if she wants to change her mind and she <laughs> says absolutely not go fuck yourself that's not word for word that one is not a word for word quote but basically she tells him to go fuck himself um i mean it might have been she feels like the type yeah she really it would it would not surprise me (laughs) um he then sexually assaults her 
Um, afterwards, he tells her to get dressed. Um, but he knew her well enough to know that she always came to work with a knife in her purse. So, like, when he told her to get dressed, like, he was like, he was like empty out your right. fucking purse. Yeah. Like, he kicks away the knife um, and tells her to, like, get everything out of her wallet. And, like, he grabs the knife. Um, she... <laughs> love her so much she gives him the 40 dollars out of her purse smacks the shit out of him just backhands the absolute fuck out of him and like starts screaming for the police because like they're also in an apartment complex yeah you know what i mean so like she starts screaming he twists the you know towel until she falls to the floor and starts kicking um, he tries to sit on her legs to keep her from, like, alerting the downstairs neighbors because she's fucking kicking a staccato into the ground. Yeah. Like, they're going to hear that. Um, he stuffs a sock into her mouth to get her to stop screaming. And he ties another towel around her neck, grabs her knife, and stabs her 38 times in the stomach and the chest. He then takes the money that she gave him and leaves. And he comes back a couple hours later with a glass pipe and a bunch of crack. Uh -uh. He smokes crack in her bathroom, steals a white socks jacket, a baseball cap, and a butcher knife, and leaves again. And then immediately throws all of those items away. What the don't fuck? ask me why he did that. I, I don't. People on crack don't make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, he he steals all those things and then goes outside and, and maybe he was like, this is a bad idea. These are identifiable or something. And then he right. dumps them. Um, and so the next day on March 12th, he's arrested again. Uh. And at this point, let me reiterate, he has killed nine people. Nine. In all of these people who he knew intricately. Like, yeah. So... Under questioning, he confesses to all nine murders, like almost right away, and explains, like in a recorded interview, like the details of like every, like all of these details I have told you this entire time, are straight out of his confession. Ew! Like he openly was like, yeah, this is like word for word what they said. Like they walked here, they did this, they grabbed this, I grabbed this. This is what happened. Like all of this because like obviously the police weren't investigating this well like right almost all of this information is coming directly out of his mouth like and then we have the evidence now to be like yeah he wasn't fucking lying like all this stuff backed up he said he took it the battery out of the smoke detector they go back and look at the smoke detector there's no battery in it like you know like all of the stuff that he said they did they went back and looked and were like yeah what the fuck <laughs> Um, he also like, uh, if you had done your job you would have already known that he also confesses to two other murders that happened before all of these ones I just told you about Jesus and so before 1990 Tashonda died all the way back in 1990 um, so he tells the officers that he feels like a big burden has been lifted and he goes on trial in September of 1996. He's pronounced guilty on January 7th of 1997. Um, 
And honestly, like even his own attorney <laughs> did not like try to defend him. Like this is a direct quote from his defense attorney, Jim Cooney, who literally said this at his defense. Like this was part of his defense statement. He said, and I quote, Henry Wallace's life is full of holes. He was born into terrible circumstances, circumstances most of us can't relate to. For a while, he was able to overcome those circumstances. Then the darkness inside those holes overcame him. Uh, Hate. But even even he doesn't try to defend him. Like, even he's like, oh, yeah, you, like, definitely did it, though. Like, I mean, he's definitely, like, a piece of shit. But, like, he had a bad childhood, so it's, like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that feels like you're justifying it, and I'm not here for it. Um, so January 29th of 1997, he receives nine death sentences. <laughs> Good. Um, he is currently on death row in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but we're not done. We're not quite done. What do you mean? I, I still have more. No. Um, <laughs> no. He's on death row. You can't. Um, math ain't mathin which there's not really more about him but this is more kind of like uh like kind of an insight into like the community and stuff like after this happened um because obviously after this came out and he's caught and confessed and the trial's happening and stuff like the community was like we want fucking answers. Mm-hmm. Like, why was this not solved sooner? Why did this escalate for so long? Like, this should have never happened. Especially when there was a clear pattern. Yeah, like, uh, Dee Sumter, which is Shauna Hawk's mother, like, came out and was like, it's because the victims weren't prominent people with socioeconomic status, they weren't special, and they were black. Deborah Slaughter's father suggested the same thing, said that they were he was like to me the girls just weren't important to the police they didn't live in a high rent district they weren't famous or known they worked in fast food joints and they didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes like everyone else in the community feels a very certain way about why these things happen which is why i did say the caveat earlier about how busy it was because i do think that there was so much happening that there's always going to be people who slip under the radar unfortunately like that's too much for seven people to handle yeah like it it just is however however However. those seven people chose which cases they wanted to handle and which cases they wanted to give attention to and if they would have given attention to any one of these cases they would have solved this significantly earlier like it was not a secret like none of this was hard to figure out yeah there's no one tried at all and like like we still see that to this day (laughs) literally like everybody knows who brian laundry and his girlfriend are yeah fucking daryl allen who is um a retired police officer he used to be a police officer in new york he now lives in charlotte like he's been publicly calling for sergeant mcfadden's dismissal like dismissal saying like wallace should have been a suspect all the way back in the carolyn love disappearance yeah literally he wasn't even fucking questioned like this could have been stopped at like three right you know 
And like he's publicly said, the Charlotte's National Organization of Women has called for independent counsel to investigate the police department. They've came out and said whether the problem is economic, racial, procedural, or managerial, this issue must be resolved so that our, all Charlotteans can feel complete confidence in the law enforcement's ability to deal fairly and effectively with crime. Um, so the police, of course, have tried to defend themselves. Um, no. Who's surprised? Um, they said that they were like, well, you know, we're not experienced with serial killers. Um no. And they quote that in, you know, early in 1994, the department did seek the help of the FBI. The FBI did fuck up and the FBI did report back to them and say, no, we don't think this is a serial killer. So we're not going to step in. So and also at this time, it, I mean, still to this day, but really bad at this time, um, serial killer research was very prejudice uh we didn't really think of serial killers as black we didn't really like you know middle-aged white men was kind of like the stereotype yeah. for literally like everything which i mean to be fair it is most of the time yeah like to but, be fair, but middle-aged black men also put up like the other good chunk of it as well like it's basically just middle-aged men in general um not great across the board um but <laughs> well and like here's my thing you're not like a huge department so sure you're getting overwhelmed with cases but there's seven of you and you're gonna tell me that at no point during any of this the seven of you didn't fucking communicate with each other like, i mean it's seven men in the seven, uh, 90s so yeah i probably think they did well like i like, but no, I know what you're saying on. like the, one the thing too, is that they were like oh well serial killers can only kill strangers no serial killers can't kill people they know oh my god fucking historically robert no robert ressler who is one of the fbi's leading experts on serial killing literally testified in wallace's defense and said if he elected to become a serial killer he was going about it the wrong way bruh because he was like no it's people he knows like that doesn't make any fucking sense why would he do that that's dumb Perfect. i mean and it, and it is it is really fucking stupid but i mean he's a crack addict nobody said he was smart right like and, and he, he was smart before well no he really wasn't that smart before he didn't do very well in school either but even if he was smart before like at this point he's been doing crack for so many years and so strong that like yeah. it, it has eaten away so much of his brain that like it didn't really matter where he was before um but it's funny because it's like you your own excuse doesn't even like it negates itself because you say that you can't catch him because you have no experience with serial killers but then in the same breath you're saying well he acts nothing like a serial killer okay so then he acts like the normal killers who kill people that they know right the ones that you're used to handling so you're telling me in your own excuse that you should have been able to handle this problem because you can't handle serial killers, but he doesn't act like a serial killer. So he doesn't even fall under that umbrella of the things that you're saying you can't handle. Yeah. You're literally telling me he falls under the handle of the things that you can handle. I, well, I just I just don't I don't understand how they didn't catch on to this. Because like one, fine. One's a bad day. Two is a coincidence. Three is a fucking pattern. And we're at nine. Yeah. <laughs> we're at nine. 
Like, even if you needed to, like, five for a pattern, like, we're still at nine. Like, <laughs> and possibly 11, because he's also claimed those, he also confessed to those two murders before that. Yeah. So, in May of 1994, D. Sumter, which is um, Shauna Hawk's mom. Yeah. Uh, and she's the, she founded this organization called uh, Mothers of Murdered Offspring. Aw. And her organization they asked the charlotte city council to investigate the police department um they offered to work with the department and like train the police investigators to be more sensitive to the kinds of issues that they were overlooking yeah Um, they wanted to increase um, communication between investigators they wanted to increase information exchanges between the homicide department and patrol divisions um so the council requested a report from the department on the specifics of the investigation but they decided that it was inappropriate to hear the report until after the trial. So they can guess what's never been brought up again. It's never been brought up again. This was in 1994. It's never been brought up again. Thanks. Since being incarcerated, Henry has also confessed to killing other women he's claimed to have committed murders while he was stationed around the world during his time in the navy if true these murders would bring his death count to pretty much 20 and this is what i was talking about with you earlier like before we started this about the rabbit hole yeah like this is where the rabbit hole lies because he could be fronting and he could just be lying and for attention but honestly, I believe him. Yeah. Um, I never thought when I heard about the first murder, I was like, this was not his first murder. Like the first time I heard about it, I was like, this man was born in 1965. This murder happened in 1990. I know for a fact this was not his first murder. Yeah. Like with all the other shit he was doing and the fact that he'd already been a crack addict for like a while and was doing all those other burglaries and shit. Like, there's no way. There's no fucking way. I don't, I don't believe that was his first murder. So... <laughs> That's a rabbit hole that I have been trying not to fall down, but I know that I'm not going to be able to help myself. So you're probably going to hear more about that. That's fine. I'll but help you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, there's no like there's no part of this that like ever brings me any joy. Um, but so June 5th of 1998, <sighs> Henry marries. One of the prison nurses. Hold up. No. Rebecca Torrijos? Fucking stop it, Rebecca. Stop it. Who was 23 years older than him. The fuck? Which was not what I expected to hear. (sighs) When I read that, I thought it was going to be 23 years his, like, his... Like, you know, she was 23 years younger than him. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, she kind of got groomed, like, into this. Like, she's probably young. No. No. Complete opposite. She's old as fuck. She knows better. She Shame her. Like, that's why I'm saying Women. her name. Like, fuck. No. You Women. know better. Women. Women. Come here. Yeah. Get, get closer. Get, get closer. Stop marrying serial killers. Stop it. Don't even talk to them. Like any no. engagement at all. Bad. Instant no. Instant no. No. 
uh, addendum to my statement stop marrying serial killers when they're in prison for fucking serial murder murdering serial killing whatever you know, you know what i'm talking about got- stop you know- it you know where they stop. got murdered where they got murdered <laughs> i wish they got murdered you know where they got married the fucking prison because that's your only option the room next to the execution chamber literally next door like the one touching it like they share a wall like he got married like three feet away from where 10 feet away from where he's he's gonna gonna die (laughs) Um, um he has not received an execution date though so like we we don't know he has this is probably the only sentence of this that brings me any form of dopamine in any way shape or form um he has made several appeals um but on what it has not yeah exactly has not worked out for him in 2000 all of his death sentences all nine of them uh were upheld by the north carolina supreme court and then in 2005 the superior court judge charles lamb uh denied like his final like ability to appeal he was like (laughs) absolutely fuck no like we don't even need to see this like absolutely no get out of here um so that is the last of i i'm gonna preface this with like obviously i know this isn't what happens but every time somebody gets uh like sentenced with multiple death sentences my brain just like pictures them in a chair and like they push a little bit of it and then they like shock them and bring them back and they're like all right that's fine i think that every time <laughs> like let's do this still. nine times in a row which frankly like i'm not gonna lie i'd be behind it because th- that would do you know how s- much it would suck to die and be resuscitated nine times like yeah oh, like one bad. sounds that's bad enough okay. Like imagine if they did it with like the um like the injections and it's like they push the injection and then they push like the reversal drugs and then they push the injection and then they push the reversal drugs. Uh I think they use the same thing that we do, which is pentobarbital, and I don't believe it has a reversal. <gasps> well, find something that has a reversal but causes a similar effect. Uh, like overdose him really strong on morphine and then give him like a reversal for it. Like, cause I know they have a reversal for Dilaudid cause they overdosed me in the hospital and they gave me the reversal for it cause they gave me fucking too much of it. So like, I know that one has one for sure. Um, you could probably keep pushing um, potassium and then calcium gluconate. Yeah. Like something to depress him severely. So at least he feels like he's dying and like smothering to death. And then, like, bring him back. And then, like, you don't have to fully kill him each time. Because, like, obviously his heart's going to give out and you probably can't. But, like, if you could make him feel like he's smothering to death and do that nine times, like, the joy. The joy I would get from that. So he's he's still on death row. He's still on death row. Great. With his wifey. I- <sighs> I hope that every time he tries to go to open a jar, his hands are just too slippery. I, this episode was so fucking long. (laughs) I have, I feel very strongly. I can't, I can't say any of the ways I feel about this man, (laughs) to be honest. 
I... Honestly, there is a whole score of men across this entire episode um, that I feel very similarly about most of them. Yeah, I hope all seven of those detectives, um, their left socks are uncomfortably damp. Yeah. I wish... I hope Henry's a nice prison bitch. Especially certain yeah. examiners and elected <laughs> officials. I just... Because right there, literally right there with Carolyn, this could have been ended. Yeah. Right there. Not only with not only the police aside, but Michael Sullivan could have ended it right there, and he knew, or sorry, not um, not with Carolyn, um, Shauna, I mean, yeah, um, like he knew, like he knew that that was not an accident, like it was without a doubt that was not an accident. He knew for a fact that she was dead before the fire ever started. And he should have known by the way that her body was burned and the way that the room burned, because I'm sorry, I literally did a senior thesis on burn trauma and you could have showed me a room where the way that the fire started was the body was lit on fire with an accelerant and then the room burned. You can see that. Yeah. That's evident. It's very evident. That's one of the big things about like burn deaths and stuff is that like we we are actually very good at telling accelerants and how fire starts and all of these things like we know these things well even back then they knew these things well yeah like so it's just like they're this was more than a bad judgment call this was more than him having like the worst mistake of his career this was him no. willingly choosing to sweep this under the rug it was a willing active choice yeah like it it was more than incompetence it was malice like it was a purposeful informed choice because he could not be bothered and like i can't wait to not think about this for a little while (laughs) oh two hours of talking about this has me like i'm not i i'm not ready to edit this at all (laughs) We'll uh, we'll end this. You can. I I need to leave. Uh, <laughs> uh, as always, make sure to check out our beacons page. It has all of our links on it. Um, and you know, just stay spooky, but not not this. <laughs> None of this. Yeah, guys, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired. No, no more. <laughs> of this and and the thing is is that like i understand that this happened in the 90s but not only not only does this exact same shit happen all across the country to this very day i guarantee you it's happening right now as we speak i guarantee it because america's a fucking shithole but the thing is these people are still in power sergeant mcfadden is still there Michael Sullivan is still there. These people are still the people in charge of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department and Medical Examiner's Office. Like, this incompetence has not changed. This investigation never went through. It's never been touched again since 2004, even though the in- 
the trial's been over for a long time. He's been and done through all of his appeals. Like, he has no more appeals. Yeah. Like, there is nothing that is going to get him out of this. Unless North Carolina just eradicated the death penalty, that is the only thing that would get him out. And even oh. then, that would only get him life in prison forever. And, and even I, then, it a lot of times they still they... execute people who get it beforehand. Yeah, so... say, a lot of states that have discontinued their death penalty still honored the ones that were exactly and even if they didn't like the most they would do would be drop him down to life in prison like until his natural passing because like he's never getting out like he's fucking nine death sentences like that's going to translate into so many years in prison he'd never get out anyway so it's like he's gonna die either way but it's like and it's like i'm used to those guys being alive but it's like one thing for like this grave incompetence and then to know to this day and i know for a fact that in charlotte like there is still a lot of racial tension there's still a lot of racial racial issues that are very very prominent in that area and to know that the people who do not care about the black community and they do not care about these poor like black women who are being murdered are still the ones in power Woo. Oh, okay. Anyways, I got it. Yeah, Beacons page. Follow the Beacons page. I'm tired. I can't talk about this anymore, but I can't wait to see how all of you guys feel about it. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) I hope you feel just as strongly (laughs) as I do. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Stay spooky. Spooky.